From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And we've got a great guest today. We're discussing a great film. But before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for weekly episodes where we not only interview LADFF filmmakers like we're doing today, we also interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases. And of course, we do our patented themed Give Me Three episodes. So click that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We've got plenty coming up for you. We've got plenty in our archives as well. As I mentioned, though, we're lucky to be joined by a really incredible guest today. Her short film, Hello from Taiwan, has been making the rounds. It's been winning awards. You'll be able to see it at LADFF this year. Tiffany Francis is with us today. Tiffany, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. For those who have not seen your incredible short film, tell the audience about Hello from Taiwan. Yeah, absolutely. So my film, Hello from Taiwan, is about a Taiwanese-American family that reunites after a year of separation. And it's told through the point of view of a young five-year-old girl. <laughs> and it's actually based off of one of my earliest childhood memories in which I remember that my both of my sisters had gone to Taiwan for a year and they came back and I was about five years old at the time, uh, maybe four. And I kind of I knew who they were. They, I knew they were my sisters, but when they came back, the only words we could say to each other were hi and hello at the airport. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was just such a funny experience and kind of crazy just to kind of go through that with them. Yeah. I mean, talk to us about what it is like to not only write something that's like based off of stuff that happened to you, semi-autobiographical, but also to revisit something from like when you're so young to try and like access those memories. How does that writing process work? It is kind of funny because when you start writing them, they sort of they sort of start replacing the memories. You know, they become sort of the memory. And it's kind of weird to try to recreate that. But yeah. I think when I was writing it, you know, I was just I was just kind of going off of like that that emotion of like it's sort of more impressionistic and maybe not as emotional mm-hmm. because you're so young and you're not really understanding that this is like a whole thing, you know? And you know, as like I reflect upon some of my childhood as a full grown, fully grown adult, I definitely am like thinking, you know, how did I think back then? Like, why did like it didn't really affect me back then, but now it affects me today, you know? And I think more right. about that. So it is really interesting to think about how we process stuff in general and life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a really incredible cast helping you out with this film. And I also want to call out in particular, Brandilyn Chia. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, Brandilyn Chia. Yes. Brandilyn Chia, <laughs> who uh, she she's absolutely incredible. Talk to us about working with young Brandilyn and the entire cast, because you got other child actors in this film. Not always easy working with child actors, but it seems like the kids you worked with on this film were just really incredible. Yeah, it was... I mean, I cannot believe how lucky I got <laughs> finding this cast. I mean, it was so fun. We had an amazing casting director, Suzanne Yavas, who is in the CSA, and she just knew how to, you know, try to do the right outreach. And we did audition a lot of people, a lot of kids. But I think what I found with each one of these girls was that 
they felt like they they were a family just by me, you know, understanding sort of them with their own personalities and their own character and what they could bring to it. I yeah. noticed immediately they each were unique and different, but also they also like were all very kind and sweet and very professional. <laughs> and I think I was so lucky to find that in these children. And with Brandolin, I mean, what is it, Needle in a Haystack? Like she came so prepared to her auditions and her callbacks and I was able to give her like a a tiny piece of direction and she took it like like a champ and I think that's really rare to find in a lot of younger kids sometimes that's rare to find in adult actors too (laughs) very true yeah 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 I mean I've worked with definitely less experienced adults than her and she had done a lot of Disney princess club stuff um on YouTube and Mm -hmm. she also was like you know starting to like get into there. So I knew that she had a lot of camera experience. I could tell that she she actually memorized all her lines for like the hardest scene that we auditioned her for. So yeah. it really was like, wow, you really could do it, you know? And so I trusted her immediately and I was really lucky in that regard. Yeah. And I think with the girls getting along, they were so it was so funny because we just had we decided to have like a I didn't even call it a rehearsal. I just said like let's just have a dinner together, you know, with you three. And obviously, their, and their parents came too. And so it was really fun. Brandilyn, Chia's mom, Linda decided to host a dinner. And so we all hung out in her backyard for a while. And like literally within two minutes of them meeting each other, they were just like playing around already and like taking photos of each other, you know? So <laughs> I think they immediately loved each other. And I think the, the chemistry between them was like on point. And I was like, I couldn't have been luckier to, to find that. I think it showed through with their set, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely shows up on screen and they're adorable. Also, that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's one scene in particular that's just like so heartwarming and adorable. It's a scene where Christy's watching her family eat with chopsticks and she goes for it for the for the first time and she like nails it and she gives that little fist pump. Mm-hmm. That moment's great, but it's like so cute. But it also it hit home for me. It kind of like touched on some memories I had when I was a kid of just like growing up in America and, you know, being American. Mm-hmm. But then also looking at like older members of my family in the Mexican-American culture doing things that were very traditional and stuff and like kind of having to learn to be Mexican after I learned to be American. Mm-hmm. It brought me back there. So I just want to talk about that scene for a little bit and wonder if you could touch on that. Yeah. I mean, I love that you brought that up because I don't think I actually learned to be Taiwanese until way later in my life, not even as a kid, you know? And I, I mean, actually I grew up knowing when I was like four or five, I actually like spoke Taiwanese fluently, which is different than Mandarin, you know? And so actually it's kind of interesting to think about that, but I think I resented being Taiwanese American for a good portion of my life, honestly. For, for various reasons, and we can get into that later. Uh, it's a whole deep dive conversation. But, <laughs> you know, and then I think in my adulthood, I finally kind of accepted who I was and, and started embracing it, especially as I started making this film. That was a huge thing was like all of that. And so I think I wanted to, to have some of that sentiment into that scene where it's like she really wants to know what her sisters are doing, even if her mom is doing. Her mom has been using chopsticks, but for some reason she's like, no, I want to try it because my older sisters are trying it. And, right. you know, younger sisters are always so, I think everything that their sisters do has a huge influence on them. And so I think that was like definitely her just trying to like get to emulate her sisters and like fit in again mm-hmm. because all of a sudden it's there in, in her household. I wrote that scene literally as like a paragraph. Like it's on in the script, it's like literally a paragraph. But, you know, I think like 
we found a little bit of magic when we were shooting it. We were so yeah. lucky. And I think it had to do with also the smell of the food because it smelled so good. Like <laughs> our production designer definitely got some food from like San Gabriel or something like that. And it was, it was <laughs> she like, got the authentic stuff. Yeah, yeah, she got the authentic stuff. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, can we eat this? And I was like, no, you guys can't eat it. It's, it's the props. Like we can't keep on eating too much of it, you know? If you have rice on standby, but like, don't eat too much of the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that was like really fun for them to film it. And actually, Brandilyn did that fist pump without me prompting her. She literally like just improved that. <laughs> she was just feeling it. She was yeah. feeling <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she knew she nailed the take and she was like, all right, boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's so funny because she actually can use chopsticks really well. So she was really like, had to act that part out. <laughs> That's incredible. Has your family seen the film? What 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 are their thoughts on it? Oh yeah, they they have seen the film. They watched it many times with like especially every time, you know, a family member or fam- like a relative visits us like it's back on screen. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch it with anyone anymore, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They yeah, they were definitely involved actually with the process throughout the whole like pre-production and even fundraising for it. They were really supportive and I'm very lucky that they were like that and they also knew like, you know, I wasn't portraying everything from our childhood. So they kind of felt rest assured that like, I wasn't like completely taking exact moments of yeah. <laughs> of our childhood to like expose them too much or something like that. And my mom and I had like a lot of discussions, you know, when we were, when I was like in prep for it. And she told me a lot of stories that I really wanted to incorporate actually into this film, but I didn't get a chance to, cause you can only do so much. So I started writing them down and I started to realize that I really wanted this to become a TV show actually. So that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? Like how, I don't know about you, but it sounds like this is the case where the older we get, the more curious we get, we get acclimated to like how hard life is. And I start to like, think back about like, I was raised by a single mom and I just Mm. like start to think back about like, my God, how in the hell did she do this? And I'm not like now wanting to ask her all these questions about her life and like all this kind of stuff. So it's fun to go back and it gives you like new appreciation for your parents and new appreciation for like your life and like how you got here. I think like that's another element that I got from watching your film. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, here's the thing. So my dad and my mom got back together when I was young. So that was a huge part of me becoming interested in the story because I grew up with my family intact, not divorced, you know? And so Mm -hmm. my parents had decided to, you know, make amends with each other in order to keep the family together. And I think that's also very sort of like an Asian value system that they're sort of pulling from because I think they really cared about keeping the community together, right? And so like they sort of sacrificed their independent uh, problems with each other. And I think I always look back at that and be like, wow, like, you guys really came together for us just so that we could have like a normal childhood. And that's crazy, you know? And, you know, like growing up, like I also saw that they didn't always get along all the time. They fought like a lot when I was a kid, but they also started a family business together. And over different years, they had, I feel like they had different relationships with each other. And they really ended up growing up to like love each other throughout the years, like over years. And that took a long time. (laughs) And it's just crazy to think about that now because I'm like, as an adult, I'm like, wow, like, if you guys decided that you didn't want to be together anymore and really like was prioritizing your individual selves over the family, then my childhood would have been completely different. And yeah, I owe that to them and them seeing that they, you know, still wanted to have a future together. It's crazy. 
it makes me it is yeah, man yeah it's emotional yeah <laughs> for sure now this is a period piece obviously that feels very authentic it looks incredible talk to us about working with your production designer yeah even though this is what like late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. people think like well it's not that different if you go back and look it's really different from <laughs> the way it is now. Like you look at some of the fashion because we lived through it. It doesn't feel that far away, but you look back and you're like, good God, what was happening there? I know. <laughs> um, so just talk to us about creating that look, executing it and working with your production because it's not easy to do all this stuff on a budget. No, not not at all. None of this is easy. It's so funny. So I actually hung out with my production designer last night and she'll be so happy to hear this portion, but she, her name is Shimin Yang and she was, I think like, she has a background being from Singapore and also like lived in Hong Kong for a while. But I think she kind of knew what what aesthetic I was going for. Kind of just like the wooden beaded. I don't even mm-hmm. know what that's called. Like what goes into the cars. Like it was like in a lot of people's childhoods growing up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's- I know what you're talking yeah. <laughs> about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like little details like that. She was so, so fun. And I mean, we rated, you know, my mom's attic just to find a lot of like period detail that my mom kind of kept around you know asked a couple of my friends who lived in Taiwan to they were actually like coincidentally coming to America to visit right before my shoot so we asked her to like source a few different things so there's a lot of like you know text messaging her or like like messaging her through this app called line which is really popular in Asia asking her to like shop and like take some photos for us and then bring back a number of items she also had like really young girls. So she was able to bring like some books and things like that. Just these things from Taiwan that I think you just couldn't find here in America that are essential to like the sisters, their props and all that stuff. And then also sourcing stuff from here from like the 80s, like, you know, cars and <laughs> right, a crazy right. amount of different things. And I think it was really, I mean, it was really hard. She really pulled it off with like a very very tiny amount of money to make like the 80s and 90s work. I think we also had like a color palette that we were going for, which, you know, obviously didn't make things that much easier, but we had a lot of help from a lot of people. So I think that also was a huge factor. And it's so funny. There's like where the two older sisters have, you know, their backpacks from Taiwan. It's kind of like the specific shape that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of those was actually my sister's that she kind of kept around. I know. I was like, I love that you kept this around because it's, you just won't find this anymore, you know, like yeah. in this vintage condition, you know, and it was so great to have something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Before we take our break, I just want to ask one question. I've been asking some of the filmmakers here at LADFF. Now that the movie's done, a lot of the filmmakers in our class this year, you know, they were supposed to have big premieres at big film festivals in 2020 mm-hmm. and it didn't happen and all this kind of stuff is just uh, heartbreaking. But now that you know, the film is done. You're you're doing the festival rounds, albeit a different kind of festival rounds. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to just kind of like step back after this year with this project being completed? Because these projects are kind of like our babies, you know? Mm-hmm. What's it like and what do you hope audiences take away from this film? The pandemic has been devastating for a lot of filmmakers. So at least I, I know I'm not alone. <laughs> but I really want people to have empathy for people that didn't get to grow up in America the way that we have seen on TVs and movies. You know, I think like Mm -hmm. there's so many different experiences that and stories that we still haven't heard yet. And I would really love people to embrace that and understand that that is an American experience and not look at people of different races and backgrounds or people who have immigrated from different countries 
you know, as, as the other, you know, I think there's so much of people not really understanding that to take for granted, like I, I've grown up in very diverse areas in my life, you know, cities, Los Angeles, I've also lived in New York for a while. But I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that this is really the fabric of America. And that, you know, people of different color and different backgrounds and people that, you know, have their families that are not necessarily primarily English speaking, you know, it's not their first language, like this is the American experience. I completely agree wholeheartedly. And I think your film displays that beautifully. Hello from Taiwan. It'll be available at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival from August 5th through August 9th. Tickets and info available at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we return, Tiffany is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival is back. And for the first time ever, the festival will include both in-person and online screenings. Three in-person screenings will be held over three Thursdays starting July 29th with the musical rom-com Best Summer Ever held at the Lemley Town Center in Encino. August 5th, we're back in Encino for the theatrical premiere of the gripping documentary In the Dark of the Valley. And on August 12th, you'll be able to see the award-winning short films selected by our esteemed jury at the Lemley NoHo 7 in North Hollywood. Our online festival will be available at ladff.com from August 1st through 14th, with new films premiering every five days. Tickets for both in-person and online screenings are available right now at ladff.com. Use the promo code FORWARD for 10% off. We are so excited to see you all back at the movies. Join us for the 8th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are talking with award-winning filmmaker Tiffany Francis. She's about to hook us up with three film recommendations, films that have inspired her, inspired her work. Tiffany Let's get your first one. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, my first one is Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher by Lynn, Lynn Ramsey. Ramsey, right? Correct. Yeah, that is correct. An incredible filmmaker. What do you love about Ratcatcher? I don't know. There's something a little bit raw and very gritty about it, but yet so beautiful and composed and poetic. Very lyrical visuals, I feel like. And that's what I definitely gravitate towards. And I also just like love the characters. I think nothing is spoon-fed to us. We're just sort of observing as we're watching and i think i love that style that she has yeah she's got a great style and does she's very patient filmmaker which i love absolutely yeah i have not seen this film i'm not gonna lie and i most of the time i watch all the gimme threes before we do this show because i'd want to be able to have a discussion with you but (laughs) the reason why i didn't watch this is because i actually have tickets to see a 35 millimeter print of this at the end of this month, on July 27th and I think 28th, it's playing at the oh, New Beverly. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> if I'm going to see it for the first time, I'd rather see it with a print yeah. on a big screen. So I apologize, <laughs> but I wanted to give the film the respect it deserves. That's amazing. And, and preserve my first uh, viewing experience. Well, so. that's the best excuse you could give. I mean, you're like, well, <laughs> I'm actually going to go watch it, you know, on 35 millimeter at, a, that's right. at an amazing theater. That's so cool. 
I'm jealous. I'm like, maybe I should try to get tickets. Oh my God. <laughs> you should. Uh, they're back to doing the standby line. So if you show up early, you should be able to get yeah. a, a ticket. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> um, you'll see me waiting over there in line. Totally. Ratcatcher. It's a great choice. It's available for rent. Our friends at Cinephile Video have it, which is right next to the new art on Santa Monica Boulevard. It's also available at Videotech the rental store in Pasadena. It is not available to stream. So check it out at one of those two places or go to the New Beverly and see it on beautiful 35 millimeter. All right, (laughs) Tiffany, your second choice. All right, my second choice is The Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal, absolutely incredible, incredible movie that came out last year. Talk to us about Sound of Metal. Yeah, I think it was such a surprising film for me because I just didn't expect it. Like I didn't know very much about it until I started watching it. My boyfriend had read the script actually before and he was so excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away. And I think this is just such an incredible story because, you know, there's no visual effects really. There's just, it's just like story, you know, the story and how it's told and the emotion of these characters, especially Riz Ahmed's character, you know, what transformation he has to go through. His arc is so insanely poignant. And it got to me because I think we don't really care about silence a lot of times. And I think that's also Mm -hmm. like, maybe because I was watching it, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and I think a lot of 2020 felt very silent or unheard or, you know, a lot of the things that we did, you know, you can't express yourself in in the ways that you're used to. And so I think maybe I really related to that aspect of his character and what he has to go through. I mean, I think I just felt so emotionally connected to every aspect of the story, even though I'm not deaf and haven't ever experienced something like that. So Darius Martyr did an incredible job of portraying the story and writing the story too. Yeah, I thought this was a really breathtaking film. The sound design is some of the most impressive sound design I've I've, I've heard in a long time, mm-hmm. if not ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm a I'm a metalhead. So I mean, for this movie, this was a real nightmare mm-hmm. because you're like, as a metalhead, you just listen to your music loud. It's just like there's no yeah, there's no negotiating <laughs> it. You just like it's either ten, eleven, or it's off. You know, I know. So when you are watching this film, you're like, oh my God, this is... And the sound design makes you feel like you're losing your hearing too. And it's just like, they did a good job. I've had to uh, come to terms with my music volume and and have some serious conversations with myself. Totally, yeah. I grew up like going to shows, you know, all the time. And I like... I'm also a musician as well. And I think, I feel like I lost my hearing, a good amount of my hearing just by going to shows and not wearing earplugs. <laughs> you right. know? Oh, that's right. You, we were talking about you going to the glass house. Yeah, glass house. Yeah, exactly. That's a place that will blow out your hearing. Abs- right yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Especially in high school when you're like, hearing oh, yeah. is so formative, you know, and you're like, <laughs> it's crazy because it's your worst nightmare to not be able to hear if you're a musician. Right. That's your bread and butter. And that's, that's exactly what you're passionate about. Like, to lose that, that feels like you're losing your soul almost, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that that is very relatable, what he went through. It's an incredible film. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Sound of Metal. It's available on Amazon Prime. And it's also got just a really mind-blowing performance by Riz Ahmed. All right, it's time for your third and final film, Tiffany. Yay. <laughs> so the third one is Mirror, The Mirror by Andre Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. The great Tarkovsky. Yes. Talk to us about this crazy movie you know what's funny is the opening scene of your film reminded me of a scene from mirror and then i saw your list and i was like so stoked uh we get to talk about this but uh tell tell us about mirror yeah i mean oh my gosh i just think that this film has left you know the biggest impression 
on me since I watched it. And I think because I really gravitate towards like really surreal moments or just like weird shit, you know, like it's sort of almost like reflective of like your inner psychology and Mm -hmm. he doesn't explain it, you know, like you don't have to explain it because it's just there. And I love that. Like, you know, there's just all these beautiful moments in the mirror in which like you feel like you're in a dream. And that is kind of the way I see life in a a lot of ways. It just feels, I'm always sort of looking at the world in like a different lens, I feel like. And, And a lot of people, I feel like have a hard time understanding that. But I think Tarkovsky, the way that he did it in this movie is like, can't even call it a movie. It's, it's film, it's cinema, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. art, like it's visual storytelling at its best, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of like little visual poems, you know, like the narrative in this is very loose. I don't even know if you can call it that, but it's just like really beautiful, poignant and just very human vignettes that kind of play out in this stream of consciousness and it like every time I watch this movie I kind of like go through my life the next couple days in like this weird haze like I just took acid or something and my like my worldview's a little different you know for for the next week after that yeah I don't want to say too much because I think it's a film that should just be like experienced you know just like watch it on as big a screen as possible with the sound as loud as possible and just kind of like let it wash over you if Mm -hmm. you haven't seen it absolutely and it's so funny because that you mentioned somewhat similarities of like hello from Taiwan like opening sequence and stuff like that because I never even made the connection but now that I'm thinking about I'm like this I mean the mirror is based off a lot of the memories right of mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. the character and so like you kind of experience a little bit of like the world through the kids eyes and like through the memories from an adult's perspective but then also like how is the impression of those memories on him as an adult how do they affect him yeah, yeah. how they shape us yeah mm-hmm. it's an incredible film cinema Tarkovsky you know them, you love them, or you should love them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that film is also available on Amazon Prime, and there is a really great Criterion Collection edition available of that. So I would recommend checking that out, yes. Criterion Collection. Yes. Tiffany, this was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. We really love your movie. Thank you. <laughs> We're really excited uh, to have it as a part of LADFF this year. And, and, and thanks for being on Film Forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be playing at the festival. So to meet people too through it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Hello from Taiwan. It will be available at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival from August 5th through August 9th. Tickets and info available at LADFF.com right now. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward. We'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.